Good evening, everyone. We are continuing our Adela Simon Pei Zion. We are in the Ramah in Sifvav. So this is a rather long Ramah. And the truth is, it's a tricky Ramah because he gets into the... He says one thing, that Yesh Misha Oisrim, and we'll see there, there are four Chumras, he says. And at the end, he says, well, the truth is, the Yavad, none of these are a problem. And even the Chatechila, these things are okay as well. So we're going to see... What exactly? Yeah, it's like when you learn a tesis, and the tesis says ktsas kasha. There's a there's a, a small question. So by the time you figure out the question, you have to ask yourself why is it a small question? Why is it a major question? And then when you answer that, you're back to square one. What's the question? So that is somewhat challenging in the Ramah. Again, he's he's going to give us four chumras, four cases that one should be machmir. We'll see what these are. But he says. It's not really a problem. So we're going to figure out what exactly is the problem and why is it not really a problem. So that's the uh, that's today's uh, quest. So we're picking up on the Ramah. The truth is, if we're if we're going uh, if we want to learn word by word by word, so let's just look at the first part of the Ramah, which is really last week's shir, and that is v'chalav zachal the mikri chalav klal that chalav zachal, which means here the achronim say it means if chalav would come from a man that would not be called milk at all. And if it falls in, into a Kedera Shabbasar, Eina Oisha does not ask for anything. Ava Chalav Mesa, which the Shulchanar discussed, which we discussed last week, where you had Chalav from a dead cow. So that really is milk. It's just the Pasuk says, Chalev Imoy, only Haroi Likris Aim, which is a mother that's alive, and therefore it's not Asr Midaraisa. He says, Omechala, Omechalav, and we called it lactose. Oisin Hamacha Kamechalav Atzma. It would be usur on a derabbanan level. Vafilu b'bishul yesh lasa lechatchila. It would be usur on a derabbanan level, either out smaris ayin to cook it, but eating it would be usur midderabbanan. As mentioned last week, lactose and meat would be usur midderabbanan. Okay, that's really last week's uh, discussion. So for tonight, we're going to learn these four halachas that the Ramah brings down, and we'll see what exactly is the reason to be machmer and why he says b'diavet it's not a problem. So we'll go through the first. We'll go through four of them quickly, and then we'll explain one at a time. So the first one he says it like this, and he's quoting the Shulte Gibarim on the on the Mordechai. He says, "Yesh Imrim, there are those that say the Aser Tachas One cannot stoke the coals in your Hilcha Shabbos. You can't stoke the coals under a Kedera of a Nachri. The Sometimes they cook meat." Sometimes they cook milk in these pots. And therefore, when you are stoking the coal underneath their pots, you're concerned you are actually causing cooking of basu b'chalav. Some of the Achronim expand on this and they say we're talking about communal ovens. Let's say at a communal stovetop and there's one heat source and you turn it on. So you're cooking your own, uh, you're cooking latkes, that's parv, but the fellow next to you on his pot might have basar or chalav or both, and you have this concern of being mavashel basar b'chalav. So that would be, uh, that's chumr number one. We have to figure out what's the chiddish. So we'll see that soon. Next, Eid Kasvu, another thing found in the Rishonim. Don't combine water that was used to clean your fleshic dishes, don't don't use that water. Don't combine it with water that was used to clean your milchic dishes. 
Don't do that. Don't feed that water to your animals. Let's say it was going into the drain. We don't care. If you had two sinks and uh, it all ends up in one place, we don't mind. But if you're feeding it to your animal, one should not use this water. This water is Asur Bahana, and therefore you cannot combine it and feed this to your dog. Okay, that's Chumr number two. Chumr number three. So let's see a Kaylee that they used to make shampoo. We'll discuss what that is in a, in a moment. So then, one should not use this keli. So if you were, you ha, if you had a dish that you used to manufacture soap or shampoo, don't use that dish for your cereal. Why? Uh, I mean, to cook something, maybe a cereal will be fine, but don't use it to cook because they, they make soap from the afer from the ashes, shalakira, that's on the stovetop. We'll discuss what this means. And there is a concern, or a gilus, who is arif sham, basar, v'chalav. We are concerned that it's going to be basar and chalav mixed into the ashes that is that are on the stove. And therefore, one should not use a dish that they put in the ashes to make soap. One should not do that because there might be bleus of basar v'chalav in that dish. And Velachin, this is the fourth one. They used to have these again communal ovens in the in the winter home. Uh, one should not use the the kederos. It seems like they had a pot which had a reservoir of water. One should not use the water that was in this reservoir that was in this communal oven. Why? That at some at some point perhaps. Uh, Fleshiks or Basar and or Chalav and or both spritzed onto the this water reservoir, uh, and and therefore you have to be concerned that this water contains treif, contains Basar b'chalav, and therefore you should not drink this water. And here's the kicker: All these four cases that I just told you, but the Eved is not a problem. Even the Chatchila ain in all these four cases, they're only chumras, and that's why I'm bringing it down. But v'hamekel, if someone decides they want to be mekel, lehivse, they're not losing anything, they're not giving anything up, no problem. It's just something to be concerned for lechachila. So we'll go through this one at a time. Some of them are more uh, exciting than the others, and we'll see what exactly is uh, is going on here. So the first example was a person should not be lachtoisa'esh. You should not stoke the coals underneath the Kedera Shalgai. Now, the way this is brought down originally, if you look in the uh, the, the Shach, he brings down that this originally was was found in the Shilta Gibarim. He brought down that a person who has a a, uh, a non-Jew, you have non-Jewish staff in your home, you should give them two different pots. You have to supply them with two different pots, a fleshik pot and a milchik pot. Even if they don't keep kosher, they're not Jewish, they have to have two pots. Why? We are concerned that if they would only have one pot, and now they're allowed to cook for themselves, not a problem, but you would end up stoking the coals. You'd walk by and you'd turn on the fire. It happens to be this same uh, uh, assumption is found in Hilchus Bishalakim. The, the Ramah there brings from Rishinim that hold there's no problem of Bishal Akum in one's home, which means that let's say you had a cleaning lady and she fried an egg in your home. So there's a sheet on the Rishayim. Again, but the Evan, maybe, maybe a Paisik would say you don't have to cash your Kalim, but but we, we don't pass like the Sheeta. But there's a sheet that holds that in your own home there is no concern of Bishal Akum. Why not? So some say because it's EFSHIR, it's impossible that that you wouldn't have touched the flame. As you walk by, you would do something, you throw uh, throw some matches in there. 
throw your cigarette butt in there. You would do something to add to the flame. Now, in Bishalakum, that works to create Bishal Yisrael. As long as you threw in a kisam, you threw in a match, you threw in something, that creates, that, that is, that is Bishal, uh, that, that creates Bishal Yisrael. I was just talking um, with a bunch of uh, kashrus professionals discussing what happens when an oven gets turned off. So you buy a Pesach program, and it's Yantif, and an oven gets turned off by accident. So... Halacha is you could ask a Nachri to turn on the oven on Yantif, not a problem. However, you have Bishalakim problems. So let's say they're baking kosher uh, pesach lasagna or something good. So they're, they're putting in a roast into an oven. So what would you do? So the very, very simple thing to do would be to have the mashkiach put it in. Very simple. What if you don't have enough mashkiachim? So that might be a problem in general. Or you want to do something that you could just leave it and it will be Bishal Yisrael for the entire day. So the Rabbanim we're discussing. Let's say you had, you you add a um, you add some fire to. Let's say you put in a, a sterno or something like that again. You have to be careful, but you add some heat to the oven. So that is the way to make bishul yisrael. At least for Ashkenazim, you add something to the fire, even a small match, even a small twig, some heat that creates bishul yisrael. So the the Ramah there says in Hilchus bishul akum. That it can't be that you have a fire in your house and you didn't add anything. Of course, you walked by and you added something. So today in our ovens, that's it's unheard of. Again, we're figuring out a way creatively to do it uh, in a hotel on Pesach. So that's, it's brought down. So this concept that a person touches the fire all the time bothered the Shulte Gibarim. He says people touch the fire all the time. So, hey, how could you allow your, your, uh, your staff, your non-Jewish staff, to have one pot you're going to end up touching the fire and you're going to stoke the coals and you're going to end up cooking uh, Basab Chalam. And therefore, he says you have to have two different pots. Now, the Ramah doesn't go to the extreme. He doesn't bring this down in full. He just simply says, don't stoke the coals. To make a gzera that you have to have two different pots, that, he said, that's too much. But yesh lahachmir, not to uh, not to play with the fire. So there are many questions on this Ramah. First of all, we learned already, so if the concern is, let's say he's cooking pasta. There's no milchiks in the pasta, it's just plain pasta. Would there be a problem of me turning on the flame? Aye, there might be bleas of basar b'chalav in there, but th- that was pre-cooked. So depending on how you lo- how we paskin on that shayla, if yesh bishalach or bishal or not, you can look at the Ramah. The Ramah says that pa'amim chalav, pa'amim basar. Sometimes they, he cooks milk, sometimes he cooks meat. Why didn't the Ramah say pa'amim basar b'chalav? Because if it was already busted b'chalav in there, so then there wouldn't be a concern that now by you turning it on, you're you're creating busted b'chalav. Because in that case, it was already cooked. Ain bishalach habishal. The concern is he's cooking butter now, and he already cooked basar previously. So now you're creating basar b'chalav. But otherwise, you could say ain bishalach habishal. Additionally, some of the price are bothered by the fact that you're not cooking anything. The fire was on. We're not dealing with Bishalakum where the Yid has to just uh, make a sim and a hacker and, and put something in there. He's cooking it. You're not cooking anything by stoking the coals. Why is that called Bishal for Basab Halav? And it could be that is precisely why the Ramah says it's only a Chum Rabama because you're not really cooking. However, if you learn, if you go through Hachashabbos, there's a, there's an Isra of Hagasa, of, of stirring. A person's not allowed to stir food that's on the fire. According to most Rishonim, this applies even if the food is fully cooked. Even if the food is fully cooked, that is considered uh, a malacha on, on Shabbos, hagasa. Why? Because that's an act of cooking. Even if the food is fully cooked, hagasa, mixing the food, Rav Moshe has a piece in Debris Moshe, that's called cooking mamish, and halacha is a person is not allowed to stir the food even if it's fully cooked. 
this comes up, you know, serving uh, challenge from a crockpot that's still on the fire. According to those Rishonim, even if it's fully cooked, you cannot uh, you cannot stir. You have to take you have to remove the crockpot from the fire before um, before serving before scooping out challenge. So perhaps this is what the Ramah was concerned for. Even though you're not actually taking it from raw to cooked, you're just stoking the coals. Perhaps that would also be considered uh, considered bishul basabachalav. However, the 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 main topic and where all the rate is, is based on Rabbi Kivager. Rabbi Kivager asks the following question. L'chaira, let's, let's discuss a communal oven. So there's, someone told me there used to be a communal oven in North Minneapolis, where my, uh, my father-in-law grew up. There was a communal oven. People would come before Shabbos. You put your food there, and uh, they had a communal Shabbos meal. They had communal ovens. So let's get a communal stovetop, and with one flick of the switch, you've now heated up multiple burners, Multiple stovetops. So is that consi- so? So the question is: Is that considered bishul basubachalav? Let's say a nachri has basubachalav in one of his pots. So, if you think about it from a global halacha perspective, let's think in lambdas. Hold on a second. I have no intention to cook basubachalav. I'm I'm just I'm just warming up my food. I couldn't care less what's in the nachri's pot. I'd rather him not be here. I don't want to deal with him. I have no kavana. To cook basa So what is that called? It's called a davar she'ena mischavin. Halach is a davar she'ena mischavin. If you don't have kavana to do the to do the malacha, let's say when it comes to Shabbos, but it's not it's not uh, uh, a Shabbos halacha. This comes up all over Shas. Let's say a nazir. The Gemara t- discusses if a nazir is allowed to comb his hair. So it depends. Using a very hard comb. So we know moider ab shimin the psik reisha. If it's automatically going to happen, so you know the nazir cannot use his comb to comb his hair because he's going to pull out of here. That would be a problem. However. If it's not automatically going to happen, we paskin like Rabbi Shimon that a dover sheina mischavin. If you do not have kavana to do that malacha to do that iser, it's mutter. Halacha is a dover sheina mischavin is mutter. So over here, this is a classic dover sheina mischavin. I have no intention to cook any baser b'chalav, and therefore it should be mutter. And just to bring out this shaila, we spoke about. Let's say you double wrapped your you go you go on a cruise somewhere. No kosher options. You bring, uh, you find the raw piece of salmon in the in the kitchen, and you know salmon. Uh, if it looks like salmon, it's kosher. So you ask them, can you double wrap it in a disposable pan and put it in the oven? Now that's fine if they do it. The question is, what if you do it? If you would turn on the oven that's filthy, a dirty oven, and you cook your salmon, so the salmon is double wrapped, no problem. But aren't you c- cooking basar b'chalav that might be on the floor of the oven? So. One consideration would be, hold on a second, it's Davrashin and Mishavin. I'm trying to heat up my salmon. I have no intention of, of cooking uh, this uh, this Baz B'chalav. You, you can think of other Shilas. Let's say um, you're you're uh, putting the, turning back on the, the, elect, the electric in, in, a, in a restaurant or in a, non, a non-kosher home, and you know there are things cooking. You know there are things cooking on, it, it, on the stovetop, so perhaps there'll be an There'll be an issue of Bishop Basavachalov. My friend told me a fascinating shower. He uh, he was asked to be a mashkiach at a nursing home, one of these uh, kosher style nursing homes, but it wouldn't be. It wasn't really under hashgacha, but they asked him to turn on the ovens in the morning. So he's creating Bishli Yisrael, but he said, "I'm turning on the ovens." But hold on a second. They're trying. They're, they're bringing the mashkiach to make Bishli Yisrael, but I'm. I don't. I don't trust this oven. There might be Basavachalov there. So, a few things. 
And in, in many of our cases, we're dealing with there's junk on the bottom. That we said is nifso me'achila anyways. There wouldn't be a problem. But let's say there will be blia. So let's say there will be food and possible blias in the walls of the of the oven, the walls of the keli, according to the Ramah, there should be an issue of Bisho Basar Bahala. So Rabbi Kivigar asks his Kasha, why is it not a Dabr Shin Mishabin? So the the obvious tarots would be that this we know Maidi Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon agrees with Psik Resha, if it's automatically going to happen, one is not allowed to do it. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have your your neighbor has a motion detector and every time you walk by, the light goes on on Shabbos. So if you ask a Rav Shaila, can I walk by knowing that the light is going to turn on? So without getting into other Heterim, just from this sugya, this view, we would say like this, even though you don't have Kavana to turn it on, to activate it, but you know for sure it's going to get activated by walking by, that would be considered a sick rage. It's automatically going to happen. And therefore, Rav Shimon agrees that it's Asr. So in this case as well, I know that if there's milk and meat in the, in the pot, it's going to get cooked. So Moedi Rab Shimon, Bipsik Reisha, that it should be Yasser. However, Rabbi Kivegar said, not so fast. It's not exactly the same case. In the case of the motion detector, we know that it's on. It's, 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 it's on before Shabbos. So it's ready to turn on as soon as, as, soon as some, some fellow walks by. So it's automatic. In our case, it's a suffix. We don't know if, if there's actual milk in, this, in the walls of this keli. So... It's not a psikratia. You don't know for sure that that by walk, by turning it on, you're going to cook basa b'chala. So that's the question. This is known as the sugya of safek psikratia or psikratia l'sha'avar psikratia for facts for for unknown in the past. Now the, the way to understand this shaila, and again, this is a machlekes Rabbi Kivager in the Taz, famous machlekes found in the Mishabura and Hilchas Shabbos. Do we say that the heter of Dover Shein and that I don't have Kavana, does that mean that as long as the outcome is a suff the, the outcome is a suffix, you're not sure that this is going to happen. For example, people ask, can you brush your teeth on Shabbos? So to use toothpaste is, is a whole shila, but to use mouthwash and, and brush your teeth, the only concern would be that you're going to cause your teeth to bleed. But let's say you're not sure. You typically don't bleed when you brush your teeth or when you floss. Halachas, you'd be allowed to use a flosser or use or use a mouthwash and a synthetic toothbrush. You can use it on Shabbos because it's a it's a davar shein mischav. I don't I have no intention of, ble- of causing myself to bleed, and it's a, it's not a psikrasha. It's not automatically going to happen. However, in our case, if it's true that there's buster and chalav in the walls, then your action for sure caused bishul. Meaning you're missing information here. What's what's a comparable example? So the Rabbi Kivir sends us to the Taz and Hilchas Tzeda, trapping on Shabbos. So the Taz says, let's say you have a draw, or let's say this comes up in, you know, all the time. You have a window and you have a screen. Can you close the window on Shabbos? Now, if you could see everything in the window and you see there's no bugs, so no problem. The question is, what if you don't know? There might be some flies here. There might be some small spiders, some ants. Can I close the window on Shabbos, trapping the bug between the screen and the window? So what's the shayla? I have no kavana to trap. I am not interested in bugs. I am simply closing the window because the AC is on or, you know, it's, it's cold outside. I'm closing the window and that's my goal. It's a davr shayna mishavin. I have no intention of trapping anything. But I know that this action of closing window will automatically trap anything that's in there. 
So as far as the action is concerned, the action's a definitive action. You're for sure doing something that if uh, facts are true, you have just done something that, that will trap. However, we perhaps you should look at the kavana. My, you could only say my kavana was to trap when I knew for sure that that, that, the, that the bug would get trapped. Here I don't know. I'm missing information, and I don't know. So this is known as the machlekes of Suffolk Psikresha. This comes up all over Hilchah Shabbos, all over uh, uh, other halachas. Another example, just once, once we're on the topic, an oven. Let's say a person has, has uh, you have an oven, and you're not sure if the oven's on. Or, and, and as soon as you open it, it's going to turn off. Let's say. Or as soon as you close it, it's going to turn back on. So if you're missing information, so you don't know what your action's going to do. That's called a sick ratio. I'm, I'm missing information. Do we say it's a regular suffix, deraisa, and you should be machmer? Or do we say you could be makel? So the Rabbi Kinegar is machmer. He says by deraisa, you have to be machmer. The Taz, Hilchas Seda is makel. The Mishra says Seda. Anyways, you're not using flies for uh, anything productive. So therefore, say there would only be derabanan. The Mishabur says we could be makel by derabanans for sure. But even by deraisas, perhaps Shabbos is different. Shabbos, Malachas Machshavas, Asotaira. And therefore, regarding Shabbos, Rav Moshe's makel, that, that's behind many of the heterim regarding refrigerators and opening ovens on Shabbos, is this uh, this Rabbi Kivega regarding a suffix, a suffix psikresha. So the halacha, let's say all, all of our cases that we mentioned, you typically have a heter, for example, to, to heat up something in a toaster, in a dirty toaster, or to turn the electricity back on, on, on uh, in a non-kosher restaurant, let's say you're an uh, electrician, electrician or something. So in all these cases, you have, you have again, L'Chathchila, the Ramah, is concerned that you might be causing Bishop Basubachalov, but for the various reasons that we mentioned, and the Ramah himself says, Lemaisa, a person could be mako uh, on these cases. Let's keep going in the, in the Ramah. The Ramah gave another case. He said, let's say you had... Water that was used to clean dishes. So One should not use water that cleaned uh, one dish, a fleshic dish. Don't add it to water that cleaned a second dish. Now let's say you're dumping it in the sink, as we mentioned, not a problem. But here the concern is because you're feeding it to your animal. Now the question is what what, what type of water are we dealing with? If we're dealing with cold water, what, what, what's, what's wrong? I, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's cold and cold. There's no Isser Hana. There's no Bishel. There's only Derech Bishel Asatari. That was one of the first Yisraelis we learned together. It was only if there's Derech Bishel do we say Asratayra. There's no Bishel. It's cold water and cold water. And if it's hot, then for sure I have a problem. I'm not, I'm not allowed to add hot water together. I'm cooking Basimahalov. So the Shach learns that we're dealing with hot water. And maybe the amount of the residue would be bottle, so therefore there's no real concern with the avid. You shouldn't you shouldn't add this hot water together, and perhaps according to that you shouldn't pour your hot chalent out onto your uh, into your garbage, you know, on Shabbos. Or the the Ramah, the way other Rishonim, other other Paiskim learn the Ramah, we're dealing with cold and a new chiddush, a, 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 a brand new chiddush that even though we're dealing with cold water and there's no bishul, still. As the Minchas Yaakov explains, one should not add milk and meat together, even if it's not cooked together, even if it's cold, there's no problem. So he mentioned a question a few weeks ago, uh, two, two weeks ago. Let's say a person wants to feed his dog a cold piece of cheese and a cold piece of meat. So he said it should, should be mutter. There's no problem. Now even new chumrah. The new chumrah would be, let's say, 
you're actually mixing it together, even if it's cold. Lichat chilo, a person should not mix things together. You shouldn't mix basar b'chalav together. Even if it's cold, even if it's not being cooked, a new chiddush, and that is chumar number two. What about chumar number three? So chumar number three was oid kasfu, the haklisha oisin mayim, that the water that was used, uh, I'm sorry, the kale that was used to, that they put water in, to, to create shampoo, one should not use that. So to give a little background, the way they used to make soap was they used to take ash. Now the way you make soap is you need a fat. It could be animal fat. That's the typical way to make bar soap is animal fat. Or you could use uh, coconut oil. You need some type of fat as your as your base. And you you take either sodium hydroxide or or if you find potassium hydroxide. You need those two. And those two work together as 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 soap. How does it work? Because one of them is a is um one of them is hydro hydrophilic and the other one is hydrophobic. So the water connects with water and the fat connects with fat. So let's say you have grease on a dish, the only way to clean it is by using soap, which has the which has the, the water component and the fat component. So you need both together to uh to remove the grease. So today in a soap factory, they're taking fat, it could be animal fat or coconut oil, and they're adding sodium hydroxide, uh, manufactured sodium hydroxide to, 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 um, to create soap. But back in the day, they used potassium hydroxide. Where does potassium hydroxide come from? So if you look at Shulchan Aruch, whenever the Shulchan Aruch discusses soap, it always says afer, it always says ashes. Why is that? So the way to get a potassium hydroxide is if you pour water over burnt wood, what leaches out is so is a potassium hydroxide. So whenever you see soap mentioned in Shulchan Aruch, it's going to talk about afer, ashes. And until I learned this in in uh, in Kashrus, I had no clue what I was talking about. What does ashes? What do ashes have to do with soap? But that's the hydroxide component was coming from the the lye that came out of these uh, these ashes. So, anyways, where would you find ash? The easiest place to find ash would be you had a stovetop and you had uh, spillage over time. That is, is ash. You would put that in a in a keli. You would uh, heat it up, add water to it, and you still need fat. So maybe the ash itself had fat from uh, from the basib chalav, and that's how you created soap or shampoo again 500 years ago. So now that we know that. What's the halacha shaila? The halacha shaila is that the, the what was on the bottom of the stove collected basar and chalav, and therefore when I when I manufactured shampoo in this uh, in this kettle, I put basar b'chalav into the kettle. So don't use the kettle to heat up uh, to heat up soup because you have basar b'chalav blias in the kettle. Now everyone's going to ask. Why is this a problem? The ash is, is nifsa. And in fact, many say that is exactly why the Ramah says it's only a din lechatchila. The diavid, the ashes are not, are not considered edible. And therefore, whatever taste it gave into the pot when you were creating the shampoo would be pugim, would not be, would, 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 not, uh, would not taste good. And, the, and, uh, and that, that, is the, uh, that is the background. So just by the way, now that we know that, there's a, there's a discussion in the Pisces which we won't talk about today, and that is, does a person need to use kosher soap? So it's interesting that some people will specifically only buy dishwasher liquid or detergent, uh, meaning di dish soap, 
with hashkach on it. And the truth is, most of the dish soaps are 100% kosher. Even the ones that have uh, non-kosher glycerin in it, it's really not, not, not a main ingredient. However, a, a bar of soap typically has animal fat. And, and there, there's actually a reason to be machmer. We don't, we're not going to say you should be machmer, but there is a reason, and that is sicha kishtia, that perhaps when you, when, you, when you use animal fat on your, on your body, that's considered sicha, that's considered, uh, that, that's, you're, you're uh, anointing yourself, and there is a shita that holds sicha kishtia. It's as if you're drinking it, and even though it's not considered edible, still, it's considered uh, uh, able to do sicha with it, there's actually a reason to be machmer to only have hard soap, uh, a bar of soap with hashkacha. You go to uh, your chasidish mikvahs, they only use uh, soap that, that has hashkacha. And it's actually, a, it's an interesting Shiloh, why, why we're not machmer in it. I remember Abelski Zetal, he, he said, he was surprised. He's like, what? I'm sure you all use, uh, all use kosher soap, you know? The truth is, if you use body wash or liquid soap, it's not a problem. The only Shiloh would be a bar of soap. Just quickly, the reason why we're makel is because there is a sheet out there that holds, and this is found in the Mishabura and other places, that if it's nifsa me'achila, we don't say sicha keshtia. comes up on Pesach. That's the reason, but it is brought down. The Ramah, other, other, other places can do say a person should be machmer. The minig, I think in most, I know I don't visit people's uh, showers, but the minig, I would assume, is that we are not machmer to, uh, to, to use kosher soap. But, it, but interestingly, you're tip, unless you're buying vegan soap, you're hard, your your soap bar is going to be treif versus your detergent might not be treif. Okay, one more, the, the final chumrah, and that was regarding the water reservoir. So once again, there is a concern there might be splashes of bus or splashes of chalav onto this uh, water reservoir, and a person should not consume uh, water from the reservoir. There's a very important shach, and the shach, this is in, in uh, Sif, the shach says, towards the end, he says, when you have a pot above the fire or near the fire, anytime something spills, so the fire itself is going to burn it out. It's going to consume it. It's going to consume that, that spill. And therefore, that's probably behind why it's only a chumrah ba'alma in these cases. But if you have a fire, it will, it will uh, remove any, any issue, any, spill, any spillage issue. And based on this, Rav Moshe and many of the other Paiskim said that lets you have a gas stovetop with a flame. You could use that same stovetop for fleshiks and for mochiks. Many people historically only had one sink, and many people still today have one sink. And when it comes to stovetops, people, even very few people have, uh, have, have dafka two stovetops. Perhaps if you have a bigger kitchen, you, you, could, you could do this. Why not? No, nothing wrong with it. But the halacha, that's what we're all relying on. We're relying on the fact that when you made chicken soup, you know, before Shabbos, and the soup spilled over, ah, you just made your stovetop fleshiks, and tomorrow you're going to use it for eggs and cheese. So we assume that the, that any chicken that spilled would be burnt by the, by the fire. Now, this works when the stovetop, when the grates are directly on top of the fire. There's a, uh, there are different setups that you could think about a Shiloh. First of all, let's say you have space where the food drops in between the grates and it doesn't get consumed by the fire. So let's say you're making a, uh, you're making a pan fried, you have, a, you have your cast iron skillet and you're, you're grilling a steak and as it flips, a piece of steak falls right in between the cracks. So 
If it was a piece of, if it was a noodle, you would say, okay, I don't care, but you have a steak there. Can you eat the steak? So if it fell right where the flame is, of course you could eat it because any bleedest that would be where the flame is would be burnt out upon contact. But let's say it fell a little bit over and there's no fire there. In fact, your steak looks great. It's not burning now. So how can you tell me bleedest burn? There might be some spillage here. So unless you noticed a puddle of milk or the like, we have to just deal with it from a halachic angle. And that is, there's a halacha concept called Stam Kalim Eina B'nei We could assume that any keli has not been used for non-kosher within the previous 24 hours. That's one of the Aterim we discussed uh, offline, buying a coffee that was already made. Let's say you purchase a coffee at Starbucks or the like, you go to a gas station, and the coffee was already made. They're not making a drink for you. So even if, worst case scenario, they, they might have used the keli for non-kosher or washed it in a non-kosher dishwasher, halachically, since... We could assume there was 24 hours since uh, that that process was done. My food is mutter. Now, just by the way, it doesn't allow you to lechatchila use it. Let's say you bought a grill on Craigslist. And you know it's treif. You bought a grill from Montana on Craigslist. It's treif. It's clean. Until you kosher it, you cannot use it. I cannot say, oh, it's ina and, uh, and you, you cannot use that. That's, that would be usr. However, let's say your son came home and he didn't realize that he didn't kosher yet and he grilled the steak. You call your rub. Your rub says, oh, the truth is, this grill has been in transit for seven days. It's no problem. As long as it was clean, if a keli is ina but the it doesn't answer the food. So unless you know for sure that you had a piece of hot milk spill on this exact spot where your uh, skirt steak fell, so halakhically, you could assume stam kalim ainabinyaman, and that would work for let's say a glass stove top or places where you have a lot of surface area, where it's not getting burnt out by the heat, the, the coils. If it's not getting burnt immediately, so best thing would be is to wipe it off in between in between uses. But let's say something fell, so as long as there's no no uh, visible milk, and you know and you don't you don't know for sure that milk touched this spot. Within the previous 24 hours, it would be a suffix. And a suffix on a, a stam kalim, you have a suffix if it's a ben yami or not, you could be diabed, you could be makel, and you would be able to eat your uh, your steak. So we rely on the shach where we could, and that is anytime there's, there's a heating element, we would assume all the bleas have burnt out. But let's say you do not have the shach, you're dealing with situations where where you don't have a you don't have a fire that's that's uh, that that's uh, that's uh, uh, consuming it, so then it will be regular halacha question: Is there anything here? Is it clean? Uh, when was the last time it was used? And that is why uh, that that is why some people um, try not to get an electric stovetop because they do have these issues. It's easier to deal with it when you have a uh, a, a gas range, but uh, but the halacha is what to what to discuss. In, in all these uh, all these uh, situations. Okay, so looking ahead, we're going to talk about different uh, different uh, kashra stuff. We'll talk about gelatin. Here, the Shulchan discusses that gelatin should not be a problem. So, when exactly did that become a problem? We'll talk about whey, and we'll talk about how to make uh, artisan cheese that's being made in Italy. They make Italian cheeses are made with with real stomach, uh, real animal rennet. How exactly are they doing it? So we'll see in Sif Tess and Sif Yod, we'll discuss Mirza Shem in the coming Shiurim.